I just that's figured new. I'd try that. <laughs> that's new. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the show. Uh, we are getting ready to get I I feel like we already launched like you just threw that in there and it's threw like it in there. That's that was the, the launch I should have just that went straight to the intro right after that huh Yeah totally All right well here we go The Carrier Experience Podcast is a show for anyone who wants to grow their agency and be a titan of the insurance industry. Learn from a panel of experts who share their agency struggles, their experiences with the nation's best carriers, and share the marketing secrets that successful insurance agents are using today. Now, here's your host, the insurance bro, James Cias. <laughs> nothing but curveballs right. today nothing but curveballs nothing but curveballs i love it i love it we're gonna be all over the place it's gonna be a lot of fun uh welcome back to another episode of the insurance bro show all of you insurance pros out there uh appreciate every single one of you uh everybody who's listening everybody who's tuning in don't forget to follow me on all my social media at insurance bro show lots of good stuff that i'm putting out uh yeah, all right I'm, I'm putting out some stuff but uh definitely if you want to be a guest on the show, this is where you get to shine. We get to highlight who you are and, uh, you know, make you shine, make you look uh, as awesome as you are. Be a guest on the show, www.insurancebroshow.com slash guest. Also, don't forget wherever it is that you're catching us on, wherever it is that you're listening to us on, don't forget to please subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a note, leave us a comment, uh, leave us a review, help us show up that much higher on uh, the search results so we can continue to be of value to all of those insurance agents out there. So speaking of insurance agents out there, what is the point of building our agencies? What's What's the end goal? Eventually at some point you want to get to the point where you can sell it, right? Where you can move on, where you can retire, whatever that means to you. But I mean, uh, that's an exit, have an strategy. exit strategy. Yeah, exactly. Exit right. Strategy. We have to have an exit strategy. Uh, I know we all love insurance to the bone, right? Like we just want to do this all day long for the rest of our lives. Right. Every yeah, of single course. one of us. Yeah. Of until we're like 95 and, you know, still selling insurance. Right. 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 Yeah. No, what's the risk in that? What's the risk? Uh, <laughs> all right. So bottom line is we all want to eventually get out of this and, you know, pass it on to those that we hold dear. So he ain't lying. He ain't lying. I love it. (laughs) Great clip. That's a great clip. Uh, So today we are going to talk about some of the considerations, some considerations that you need to take when you are either buying or selling an insurance agency. Uh, Both are very different. Uh, So far we have, we did buy an insurance agency. We did uh, buy a book of business and took over somebody's office. And uh, that was a fairly painless process. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it just so happened that I was, a pipeline insurance agent and this pipeline insurance agent wanted out and there just wasn't a whole lot. I mean, maybe we didn't do a lot of things right. No, but it was also an an internal purchase. Internal purchase. We weren't going out and finding, you know, you weren't buying an agency from scratch that you had no affiliation with whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So you already affiliated with our company in within the, within the, the corporate cloud, right? The the conglomerate. And then we kind Mm -hmm. of bought an existing book from somebody. So it was a little bit different. A little bit different in that sense, but uh, a lot of people out there are considering buying a book of business. You know, that's a great way to get a head start to to get a jump in the insurance game. Uh, you buy a book of business somehow. There are banks out there, there are lenders out there that will give you money 
to buy a book of insurance business. And then it's up to you to make sure that you manage that book. So what we're going to talk about today is some of the things to consider when you are either buying or selling. And we'll, uh, you know, create as much discussion around these topics as we possibly can. A lot of potential for aggressive expansion. A lot of potential, a lot of potential. So uh, we're going to jump right into this and uh, let's see how this goes. You ready? Let's do it. Number one. Let's do it. Numero uno. We are talking regulatory considerations, regulatory considerations. So when it comes to buying an insurance agency, there's not a lot of like government oversight necessarily. There's not uh, a ton that needs to to be approved by the state. Uh, From what I'm looking at here, there is at least one state, which is Texas, that does require a pre-closing notification. In other words, if you're buying a book of business in Texas, that's a place where you need to let the Department of Insurance know uh, who the seller is, who the owner, who the new buyer is, who the new owner is going to be. And that needs to be approved by the state. So that's definitely something that you'll want to look into whichever state it is that you're in. When we bought our book of business, we didn't have to do any of that. Again, it was an internal purchase. Uh, so we we probably, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting through this whole thing and uh, we're going to learn a lot here today because there's probably some things that we didn't do right. There's probably some things that we, you know, should have thought about beforehand. Uh, But these are the things that, you know, we want to make sure that you are looking at when you're considering these things. So first of all, it's regulatory considerations, uh, making sure that whatever state that you're in, you follow the laws of that state. Uh, Reading, just reading direct from uh, Insurance Journal, by the way, this is where we found this, insurancejournal.com. A number of states require agencies to make annual cybersecurity filings. So these states are requiring that you actually tell them how you are keeping your customers' data safe. So lots of things to consider. You want to add anything to this? Well, I mean, I kind of do, but it was going to actually go into what our next point is. Um, don't just uh, buy or sell a company without knowing the the licensing requirements for that sort of thing, uh, because let's uh, you know I'm I'm on the commission side. I'm on the side uh, of this business where we're collecting money from carriers and making sure that it goes out to the appropriate agents. And I always come across certain agents where your license expires, your license lapses, you didn't do your CE in time, you didn't have your bond, whatever the situation is, and all of a sudden you have this book of business that you're not getting paid on. And so mm-hmm. that kind of dips into the next one. But as far as some of these regulatory considerations, um, in, in you know we, we talked about buying our book, and we I know we made a lot of mistakes doing those things, and that's why we want to get on here and share. Uh, you know, our situation, our story compared to what we're learning as we go along, as we grow, as our, as we acquire new agents, we're in the, uh, what, 29, 30 agents or something mm-hmm. like that so far and growing. So when we come across uh, situations where, where agents, maybe they decide they want to leave or they decide they want to come from another agency, there are certain things that you need to start dealing with when we're talking about uh, what 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 happens to your existing book of business? Are you transferring it over? Is that a BOR or is, does it belong to the previous agency? So all these things are, are are things to consider when thinking about getting in this situation. And then of course, you know, emphasizing what you're talking about here, uh, the actual laws and rules in place. Because the last thing you want to do is dish out the money, have a book of business, start you know getting things, and then get some sort of red stamp from the state saying you need to stop operations. <laughs> 
That cease would and desist. Suck. Cease and desist, right? Totally, totally. So this is especially important when you have uh, when you're buying or selling a uh, an agency, a book of business that has business in multiple states. So you want to know what the laws in each of those states are and follow them accordingly. Number two. Number two. Moving on to agency licensing. I mean, this one's almost too obvious, right? You got to make sure that wherever it is that you have a uh, business, wherever your business is placed, you got to have the appropriate licensing for that state. And if you don't, I mean, you're just going to get stuck in a position where you can't get paid. Well, and would you- here's, here's the thing. We're, we're a very, we're very much a California based agency. So uh, I've been going through a lot of Facebook groups and talking to different people. And there are a lot of agents who are like, Hey, I'm trying to move to a new company. I wish, you know, there was a way that I can get the backend support that I'm looking for. I wish there was a way I can get a better contract than 40 or 50%. I wish there was a way, uh, where, you know, I can, I can, uh, earn binding rights, you know, all these kinds of different things. And I keep, you know, going through these posts and I'm like, dude, we offer exactly that. Unfortunately, we're in California, you are in Oregon, but we can do certain things because there's there's opportunities for you to be able to work with us even if you're in a different state. Uh, and it's just uh, some of the some of the appointments that we have maybe not extend to that state. Mm-hmm. But understanding the difference between having that resident and non-resident license uh, and understanding whether your broker or your brokerage is allowed to operate in different states, when you're purchasing a book of business, where is that business coming from? Where is it based out of? Those are questions that you want to ask your, you know, yourself. And are you capable of uh, transacting? Because you might be able to buy that book of business, but what if you're not appointed with those specific carriers? Or what if you're appointed with carriers that don't operate in that specific state? Or you're not allowed to operate in that specific state? So mm-hmm. it gets a little tricky when it comes to, to operating across state lines. Definitely. And also, depending on the mix of business, the the book of business, it could be something that's all home and auto and it's all preferred lines or, you know, California admitted lines or whatever state it is that you're working in admitted lines. But if you have any business in that book of business that is run through an MGA or a surplus lines broker, there is a possibility that you might need to extend the agency licensing to cover that business as well, because those are specific uh, types of licenses. Those are specific types of business that have uh, more restrictions, greater scrutiny. Uh, these are these are the types of business that, you know, when you write a non-admitted policy, first of all, the insured has to get a disclosure to let them know that they're getting a non-admitted policy. As agents, we have to do uh, the diligent search uh, form, the, the, the DL1, the SL2, to make sure uh, that that we are doing our due diligence and looking for admitted companies first. And these are all things that carry over to different states with different rules. So you need to make sure that you're following what those rules are. Uh, If you need to get additional licensing for MGA or for surplus lines, look into what the rules and laws of each state is so that you're following them. That way you don't wind up again in a situation where you have this book of business and you've got this $100,000 surplus lines policy that you can't get paid on because you didn't get the right licensing for that state ouch oof all right number three number three individual licensing and activities so we were talking about your agency license you as an individual also have to have a bunch of different licenses as well not to mention everybody that works for you has to have licenses for all of the states that they're writing in so this is just another thing 
uh, that, you know, you want to make sure that you're keeping an eye on. Look through that book of business. You know, when when you are looking at a book of business, a lot of times they will provide you, you know, with some basic information. They're going to give you, uh, you know, here's the list of the policies. Uh, here's the list of, you know, um, maybe they won't give you some personal information like the names or uh, the the policy numbers, that type of thing, but they'll give you, you know, well, it's in zip, this zip code or this state. Uh, they'll give you the line of business. It's a general liability. It's a commercial auto. It's a, you know, whatever the case might be. Uh, and you want to make sure that if you're assigning, oh, very nice. I like that up there. Cool, cool beans. Leave your two cents in the comments. Let us know what you think. Um, if any of you have experience with uh, buying or selling agencies. We'd definitely love to hear from you and uh, get your thoughts on this stuff. But uh, as I was saying, when you have agents in your office and you're going to assign these uh, these policies to them, you want to make sure, again, that they do hold that license. That way, uh, you know, they're able to represent that customer in that state. Dude, the the rules, the rules, uh, you know, the Department of Insurance don't mess, doesn't mess around. Like, you know, in, in here's some, you know, when, when you're talking about individual licensing, another thing that I've, I've noticed, um, and, and, uh, I'm double checking, make sure I'm not stepping over. Cause I didn't actually read the entire article. Uh, but things sorry, like, me neither. like when you're appointed to, uh, where well, I'm sorry, when you're, when your license is endorsed by one company and you're moving to another company and you're trying to get your license endorsed into another company. So sometimes when you are, when you are moving a brokerage or you're, you're buying a brokerage and you need to be endorsed. Uh, making sure that you are removed from a previous company so that you can be endorsed into the new company. Yes. Those things get overlooked because in that little lapse time, you know, if, if there's a mistake in in what you're doing in business, where your license is endorsed is going to affect the you know claim that you might have. So making sure that you you clear that up if you're going to move from one agency to another because you're buying a book of business in another another place. Make sure that you're you're leaving the license from one one uh, one brokerage and then endorsing it on the other in a in in a short period of time. Make sure that that stuff gets done right away, uh, especially if it's if it's with an agency that's crossing states. Yeah, and and kind of what we're looking at here, um, you know, as we're as we're digging into this is. Somebody who is buying, for example, a uh, book of business, let's say that there's somebody who's getting ready to retire, but they have an office and they have staff within their office. That's what we're talking about. That staff, they're not necessarily losing their jobs. Maybe you're buying the book of business and you want to keep the staff on there uh, because when you have the staff in there in that office, they have the relationships. They hold the relationships with the majority of those customers. If you just go in here and pop a new sign up there that says under new management, you've got a whole new staff in there. You're going to lose a ton of business that you would otherwise hang on to if you just maintain the staff as well. So if you're doing that, make sure that you're double checking everybody's licenses uh, and, and making sure that they're up to date. Boom. Oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to add one more thing here on the activity section. Um, uh, this happens quite a bit. Understanding what a, what a, what your customer service person can do versus a licensed individual. And so, when you're buying a book of business, it might have been customary in the office for your for your uh, customer service rep to do certain things. Make sure that the activities that they're performing can be performed by an unlicensed person. Uh, yes. Hopefully, the people, the staff in your office are all licensed, and then you don't have to worry about any of these issues. But sometimes they are just used to doing certain 
certain things. I've been in this company for 10 years. Like I know what I'm doing great, but you still don't have a license. So you can't operate that way. So, you know, when you're looking at, at purchasing a, a book of business that has staff, uh, verify the processes and procedures that are going on in that particular office. And you might have to come in and make some changes so you stay in compliance. compliance uh, that's what I was going to say. That's that's one of those biggest things that can come back and bite you later down the road. Uh, if, if you have certain activities or certain things going on within your office that a non-licensed individual is doing when they should be done by a licensed individual. 100%. 100%. Couldn't have said it better myself. Moving on to number four, appointments, foreign qualifications, and DBA names. So appointments this is your appointments with the carriers this is understanding when you walk in there who do you have an appointment with are these appointments even going to transfer that's mm -hmm. a big one uh because if you're coming in and you don't necessarily have the appointment just because you're buying the book of business does not mean that the carrier is going to appoint you you're a whole new person they don't know you they don't they've never met you they've never talked to you you want to make sure that before you buy that book of business you sit down with the seller you talk to the carrier rep you make sure that uh your application gets submitted and everything's in line and i mean get the appointment before you even buy the book of business there would be no sense in you buying a book of business that's a hundred percent nationwide. If you don't have and cannot obtain the nationwide appointment, guess what's going to happen? You're going to waste all that money because that stuff's going to fall off and you're going to get a bunch of non-renewals. And within a year, you're going to be broke. So, yeah, and, and, and that's not to say that the appointments won't happen. Oftentimes, uh, when you're when you're new and you're trying to get an appointment, they're going to ask you, do you have an existing book of business? And they'll give you a dollar amount. And chances are, since you're new, you don't have it. So then the second question is, well, how much experience do you have? Do you have two years of experience? And you're like, no, actually, I don't. And so you don't get that appointment. But when you're buying a book of business, you're already coming with at least one of those criteria. That book of business that you're purchasing has a value to it. And the, and, uh, the, the carrier's do look at that and add and, and place a value on that. But again, this is something where you need to do in your due diligence phase. You need to make sure that that investigation happens. You need to sit down with that carrier rep and make sure that when you transition, that it's all going to move in order, that all the paperwork is done, that all the I's are dotted, that all the T's are crossed so that when you transfer over, it, it works smoothly. Don't assume that you're going to have that appointment uh, mm -hmm. because the book of business is there. Get it in advance. Make sure all that is taken care of ahead of time. All right. Foreign qualifications. Remember this from your uh, licensing class. If you do, uh, you've got domestic, foreign and alien, right? So your foreign qualifications are your out of state qualifications. So anything that you got from a different state, any letters assigned to your name uh, that are qualified specifically for a different state, make sure that you're carrying those things over to whatever states that you're going to be in. Uh, and then going on to the DBA names, you want to make sure that you're using a DBA name that's going to be approved by the Department of Insurance in whichever state or states that you're operating in. Uh, there are specific rules uh, especially here in California, to what can be uh, considered a uh, a good name, a good DBA name for an insurance office. And there are certain things that are not acceptable. So you want to make sure that you know what the rules are for your state or states, and you're following those rules accordingly. 
Oh, you got one more? Because uh, I didn't know anything about the foreign stuff. That is all you right there. That's why you, <laughs> that's why you teach the course. That's why I teach the course. Yeah, foreign qualifications. I mean, this is just, uh, you know, foreign just means out of state. It means anything within the United States, but not in the state that you are, um, that you're licensed in or appointed in. So it's any of those qualifications, any, I don't know, uh, CLCS, CIC. Um, I don't know if those are specific to states or if they're, you know, national nationally recognized but if you get anything any qualifications um i, I can think of one that's like california medicare right uh, or Me is it medicaid Medicaid, sure. I think, is the California one anyway, um, but covered California, for example, right? That's a that would be a foreign qualification if you're an insurance agent in Arizona. Right. And you just happen to be, I don't know, in Yuma. So you're right on the border. So you sell Cal covered California because why not? Your your people go there all the time. So, uh, you know, that's a foreign qualification that you want to make sure is going to carry over. Uh, if you're buying that book of business in Arizona and they offer covered California, that's just, you know, one example. Number five, numero cinco. Uh, what do we got talking about? Ownership of insurance customer accounts. Oh man, this is a fun one. So when, uh, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. Pipeline team of San Diego, mm -hmm. right? We are, uh, a, a branch of the pipeline insurance umbrella. We're a branch of the, of the, of the pipeline insurance corporation. Right. Um, so in all actuality, we do not, as Pipeline Team of San Diego, we do not have ownership of the customer accounts. Uh, each agent underneath does not have ownership of these customer accounts. Pipeline Insurance has ownership of the customer accounts. And it's, you know, our agreement with Pipeline Insurance that allows us to, uh, you know, in in theory, in practice, in, uh, you know, in all all but legality, all but on paper, we give ownership to our agents of their uh, policies. But when it comes time to, you know, if they want to leave pipeline insurance, they want to go somewhere else, it does need to get approved by pipeline insurance, by the corporation that they can take those uh, policies elsewhere. They don't necessarily have ownership specifically uh, until they're given the ownership by, uh, by our leadership. So this is something that you definitely want to consider. If you, I cannot go and sell Pipeline Team of San Diego as as it is um, because I don't have the actual ownership. The ownership really belongs to uh, Pipeline Insurance. It's just that we have the negotiation, we have the uh, the the agreement in place that you know this is basically our book of business, uh, and and we do uh, in practice own the customer accounts, but on paper, we actually don't. So these are things that you want to know and uh, consider when you are getting ready to sell or buy your book of business. I'm going to use this as, yeah, I'm going to use this as an opportunity for those nice. of you who are worried about ownership of, of a book we do. And our pipeline team in San Diego give you four different opportunities to walk away. If we're ever unsatisfied, that's how we have a, such a, a high level of, uh, of, of confidence here when you come aboard that you're going to stick around that we give you the options, including up to BORing your entire book of business if you want to walk away. So if you're looking mm -hmm. for an agency that can help you out, we offer contracts that were anywhere from 50% to 70% commissions. You choose the contract that you're looking for. Pass and 
pass through, right? And we give you the uh, the opportunity to walk away. There's four, I think four or five different options uh, where we can help maintain four options, right? Where we can help you uh, leave if that is an option, but we know you're going to enjoy working with us. So if you want more information on becoming a pipeline agent, go to pipelineinsurance.com slash agent opportunities and check that out. Well done. Good plug. Moving on to number six, compensation, contingent commissions, and profit share arrangements. This is pretty simply in, in, in one phrase, how do I get paid? In one question, how do I get paid, right? What is my compensation agreement with carriers A, B, C, and D, or whichever, you know, if it's a captive, then just that carrier, right? What is the compensation package? You 100%, I mean, this is like, buying business 101. How do I get paid? <laughs> it's pretty much all this is. Uh, so uh, contingent commissions is, you know, if you sell X amount, then maybe you get a little bit higher, right? You It's it's a leveled off commission. If you are between zero to 100,000 for the year, you get 10%. If you go from 100 to 250 for the year, you get 12.5%. If you go over 250, you get 15%. You know, these are contingent commissions. It's contingent upon your performance. And then profit share arrangements. Uh, you definitely want to know what the current loss ratio is for that book of business because loss ratio is one of the big things that they look at for profit share. You want to have a uh, loss ratio typically under 65%. That's the goal. That's the aim. Uh, and when you are under that 65%, you're usually eligible to uh, receive profit share from those companies. Anything over 65% and you're uh, in the danger zone there, um, you want to have those really low uh, loss ratios and retention, excuse me, and retention. Retention is the other thing uh, that, that carriers do look at and that affects your profit share arrangements. So uh, keep an eye on those things and, and ask what those numbers are. Find out from the seller, what are those numbers? What is the profit share arrangement? What uh, loss ratio do I need to have? What loss ratio do I currently have? What's our retention rate? Boom. Number seven. Number seven, premium trust accounts, fiduciary obligations, obligations, <laughs> and successor liability. All right, accountant, uh, tell me about premium trust accounts. Why is this important? So having having trust accounts are are I mean it's it's just about commingling funds, right? You you as an insurance agent are 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 collecting payments oftentimes on behalf of your client, and you need to have that sent to the particular carrier. It can either be done through a sweep, it could be done through uh through I don't know, sending out a check or whatever, paying the, the carrier direct uh, on their website. But when you have client funds, it cannot be commingled with any other of your operating expenses. So you mm -hmm. need to have a dedicated account that's just for taking client money and then turning around and paying those carriers right out of that account. Now there, uh, and you have to make sure that you keep track of your trust account uh, I mean, you you need to be able to come in here and and operate so that you can so you can clearly state a, a, an accurate record of accounting to show uh, any type of carrier E and O claim or whatever it's going to be that money is not being commingled in any way. So this is completely separate, and this is this is something that you learn about in licensing. This is something that is that is uh, and when you act as a fiduciary, when you're taking money from a client, and it's not. Uh, your own income for the sale of whatever that you're doing. You're you're holding funds to pay for an, uh, another uh, another uh, obligation. 
then you must have a separate account, a trust mm-hmm. account that is allowed to do that. So that's the that's the biggest thing uh, for for uh, operating that way. So if you're looking to buy a, an agency, again, this is like one of those activities, right? Well, we've done it this way all, for many, many years. Great. Well, it's not in compliance. You need to make sure that you come in and, and do things right. If you're going to buy an agency that is not compliant, especially in this area, you might be buying a bunch of red flags. So understanding how this operates and, and why it's important is, is super valuable. You need to ask these questions ahead of time. And that's what that successor liability is, is if the seller has not held a trust account. And uh, in other words, if the seller has commingled funds, uh, you as the purchaser are going to wind up being liable for those improper transactions. And those trust accounts, that kind of commingling is very, very strictly prohibited. I always tell uh, when I'm teaching that licensing class, I say, look, if your customer drops $100 on your desk and you go to the casino and you drop $100 on black and you win, is that theft? Yes, it is. It's still stealing. You are using your customers' funds improperly. Even if you won, even if you go to Carl's Jr. and you buy a burger and then you take $10 out of your own account and you put it back to pay for, uh, you know, the other, your purchase, you are stealing those funds. You have a fiduciary responsibility to move that money from where, from the customer to the carrier. And that's it. If you don't, or if the seller uh, hasn't done that, if they've messed with those funds in any way, you as the buyer, end up with that successor liability. All right, last one. Here we go. Number eight, earn, uh, what is it? Earn out mechanisms and indemnification. Earn outs and other deferred purchase price mechanisms. Um, So... I'm just kind of reading through it really fast here. Uh, If customers don't like new management, they may simply find a new agency. Oh, all right. So this is the expected turnover that we're talking about. When you're buying an insurance agency, guess what? A good insurance agent has done a great job. uh, I should say a great insurance agent has done a great job of building and maintaining and nurturing relationships. So what happens when that agent leaves? The relationships tend to go too. too. So that's what happens. uh, And that's what these uh, earn out mechanisms and indemnification means. Uh, So we're, we're talking about the, um, the overall purchase price is based on a multiplier of the income, right? It's based on a multiplier of uh, how much, how much revenue that's actually going to generate. Um, But, when the have when we have that expected fall off, it turns out to be that much lower. So uh, these earnout mechanisms and indemnifications uh, will include payments in connection with the growth and expansion of these books. So we want to make sure that uh, it's just the structure of the deal. So so when you're yeah, talking about when you're when you're talking about buying a book of business, especially when it's a relationship based book of business, uh, you might have in the the sale price that's listed to purchase that book of business isn't necessarily what you have to pay. Everything is open to negotiation and you Mm -hmm. can structure the deal to say, okay, I'll pay you this full price, assuming at the end of the year or at the end of the quarter or, you know, whatever it is, we still have that same retention. And maybe you put it on a finance term. Maybe you put a 50% down payment on the purchase of the book and then you reevaluate the rest of it as you go along through the, through the sales cycle, as things renew. So you can look at what falls off, what doesn't renew, what goes away with the uh, because it's no longer that relationship and adjust your end purchase price based on what happens to that book and what happens in that relationship. Uh, they're not super difficult to, to uh, 
to structure, you can look at it and say just based on overall retention, how many clients actually stayed versus left, right? And so you can kind of evaluate that at the end of the year. Look at the look at what the purchase price was. If 10% of your book fell off, 10% of the purchase price could fall off. I mean, the math is pretty basic and simple as long as you're making as long as you're keeping track of what's going on within the within the uh, purchase within the agency itself. And you can structure this this type of thing ahead of time, you know, as you're signing the contract. So you so both ends of the party know exactly what's going on. It gives the person who is selling it an obligation to make sure that the clients stick around. Maybe that maybe you have it in your contract where that person is going to stick around for mm -hmm. six months or a year and they're going to help, you know, make a smooth transition so that your clients get that that face-to-face uh, -face interaction uh, introduction and it lowers the the uh, the fall off rate, right? So so clients stick around a little bit longer. Right. So all these things that's what we're talking about here when it's talking about it's all about the structure. And identification, yep. making sure that you you have it in your contract ahead of time, and 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 everybody knows the situation. Yeah. So uh, to kind of explain what these terms mean a little bit more simply, earnout mechanisms are additional payments that might be paid uh, to the seller as the book of business grows, uh, and the buyer can offset those through indemnification for the business that falls off due to those relationships. So the earnout mechanisms are additional payments to the seller. Indemnification is for the buyer as business falls off due to relationships being lost. So uh, as simple as I can put it, uh, that's what all of that is. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, eight considerations, uh, eight things to think about whenever you are buying or selling an insurance agency. Huh? Oh, that was quite a that was that was kind of helpful. That was a lot to cover, and it that was good. I mean, I got I got to give us I got to give us. Yeah, that was. I think we did all right with that one. I think so too. We did all right on that one. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thank you all as always for tuning in. Uh, I always appreciate every single one of you who does so. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media. Find me at Insurance Bro Show. If you want to be a guest on the show, go to www.insurancebroshow.com slash guest. As always, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Help the show up that much higher on search results so that we can continue to bring value to all of you insurance pros out there. Uh, we love every single one of you. You have my heart. You rock my socks. As always... Thank you for tuning in to the Carrier Experience Podcast. James is a CEO of the Pipeline Team of San Diego and is always in the market for top talent. If you are an agent looking for a place to hang your license, visit PipelineInsurance.com backslash agent opportunities or send an email to newagent at PipelineInsurance.com. You can find James on all social media at Insurance Broham.